I hope you have your favorite drink in hand. I currently have a red wine. But today we're going to be talking about living while feminist. This is a conversation we often discuss amongst ourselves. We're always trying to figure out what does it mean to live a life as a feminist. So how did you come to your feminism? How did I come to my feminism? By not paying attention. And I say this because episode one of the wind down and I have already turned up without wine and I'm drinking beer. <laughs> I came to my feminism, I think, really late in life. And really, no, this is not paying attention thing. is It's going to make sense in a second. Because <laughs> I think that I was always someone who was like, you know, I'm independent and I'm awesome and yay, girl power and all that. But I never really would have outwardly called myself a feminist. Even as late as like the Me Too movement, I wouldn't have self-identified as being a feminist. I think I've always been like really analytical and never really considered, you know, like the social norms, messy, deeper sort of undercurrents of things. And, and, and that's really easy, you know, growing up in Singapore, which is, can, which is a little bit of a bubble where, you know, I have the privilege of access to education and opportunities and all those awesome things. And so I didn't really see that gender roles related to me weirdly like I saw disparity in my family like you know in terms of who had to do the cooking and the cleaning and who didn't have to and all that but I think I feel like I was shielded by so much privilege and ignorance that I didn't actually think that that would apply to me and so mm. I grew up not really recognizing that and it was only much later when you know my peers and people around me sort of started getting married and moving into those gender roles where they became more pronounced, you know, where you'd have women who had to 100% do everything, you know, be the superwoman, be an amazing wife, be an amazing mother, be, an amaz be amazing at work, and then have men who have not really needed to step up at, at all. And, mm -hmm. and, and that was a little bit of a like, oh my God, what? So feminism to me, you know, coming into it was really coming into this understanding of all these things I couldn't quite define and, and trying to unpack them and make sense of what was happening around me, though rather late in life. But yeah, what about you? Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, first of all, I didn't know the word feminism, feminist. That wasn't vocabulary that was around me growing up in Nairobi in the 80s and the 90s. So for me, it was just um, the journey started with just a sense of uh, injustice. So I, I sensed a lot of injustices around me and I couldn't as a child understand why that injustice existed. And I also couldn't understand the way adults reacted to the injustice. You know, ah, women's lives are hard. End of story. Yeah. And I was like, but why? But I just was so, I guess, flabbergasted with that idea that we could be so nonchalant about people's misery and the, and the experiences they were having. So for me, my way into it started with me having this desire as a result of seeing what was happening around me to study law because at the time I thought you know lawyers are the people who fight injustice so for me that was like okay cool that's where yeah. I'm gonna go that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna become this lawyer I'm gonna defend women's rights and then after law school I had an opportunity to intern at a women's rights organization and I you know at the time that was like 2000s in in Nairobi so I didn't know about NGOs civil society like you know this was a yeah. whole new world for me for me law firm was the thing yeah and so meeting this group of 
women lawyers who are fighting for women's rights was just, I mean, it blew my mind. I loved it. I was yeah. like, yes, this is where I want to be. These are the things I want to do. So when I started working there, you know, as an intern and later on as a, you know, as an assistant program officer, et cetera, et cetera, I started interacting with and meeting lots of African feminists, whether they were in Nairobi, so I'd go for meetings and mm-hmm. I'd just be sitting there. And then, you know, there'd just be these brilliant feminists well, at the time, I didn't even know what feminism was, but they'd be using this language and articulating things in a way. I was like, oh my God, yes, that's that's that thing I was talking about, but I didn't yes. have that language, you know? Like, I was like, how did you how did you come to that? Like, you've just like read my mind, you know? And so with time, I started understanding that, yes, there's a movement, you know, called feminism. And now I understood that even, you know, African women were deliberately articulating the issues that they were facing through this kind of feminist, African feminist lens. And that completely changed my worldview. So I would say that's, that's really how my journey starts in it. I can't, I don't have a time or place where I'll be like, oh, it was in this year. No, no, it just, uh, it was a series of events. And I think the last thing for me in the last few years that has, I would say, cemented my feminism is to be honest, the internet, right? So yes. the democratization of feminist thought and knowledge Hell yes. is just, I mean, what? I don't know. You know, like we didn't grow up in school with Audrey Lord or any of these texts. So you we know, didn't grow up with the internet, yo. We're that yeah, old. I know, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Uh, facts. But um, I mean, like the, the 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 concept of intersectionality, especially as a black woman, mm. a woman, I was like, oh. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's that's the thing I've been trying to talk about, but I didn't have language to talk about. So for me, I'll say that's where that's where it starts. You know, it's still a journey. Yeah. I learn every day, like there's always new things. Uh, but I yeah, I would say that's where it started. Nice. I mean, I feel I feel a little bit jealous listening to that because I feel like um my my sort of feminist experience and journey wasn't really rooted or wasn't really like I was never part of the feminist movement in my part of the world. And a lot mm. of that I think had to do with the fact that I come from a place where everything is very depoliticized and apathy is encouraged. And mm. so you don't have those questions. You don't have those conversations. And, and exactly like you said, like feminism helped me find the language to navigate those spaces where like, I know something's wrong, but I just mm. don't know how to say it, which right. is a great segue into my question, my next question which is, what do you think are some of the things that like feminism has given you answers to? Ooh, let me just tell you, I mean, this life. Is like, like <laughs> life itself, like for me, like it's like Christians when they found Jesus, you know, like for me, when I yep. found feminism, I was like, hallelujah, you know, like I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, there are people who understand what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to do. So for me, I think the things that feminism has given me in terms of answers to is Finding language, like for me, the language to be able to articulate an injustice in a society where injustice is so normalized that we're in a society where you as a woman or a marginalized person are are expected to accept your suffering and and life goes on. That for me was a big, 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 big discovery. When I think of other things, you know, like I think of my personal relationships, um, concepts around marriage or partnerships uh, especially growing up in Nairobi you know as a girl you know you're being prepped for marriage this is the ultimate goal right like you're just everyone's like yeah you will get married you will have children and I was just like mm, 
but does it have to be like that though you know but I couldn't dare mm-hmm. to ask those questions when I was young because I didn't know people who were like I'm out I'm, I'm out of this whole situation yeah so then meeting feminists who are like yeah not my gay marriage no children no I was like oh you can say that it's an option I know <laughs> like it's even an option you mean we can say this shit out yeah. loud like and so for me I think that I understood that I legitimately did not have to change myself or my mm-hmm. world view or I didn't have to live my life to anyone's or for anyone's pleasure you know as a woman you're like oh you're supposed to you know make your husband happy or your partner whatever you know and I, yep. you know that shit irritated me I was just like ah why they're not making me happy where am I busy busy myself doing this shit you know and so for me to find language and a whole body of work and people who are like yeah we're not about that life I was like oh it was just like a huge relief so I mean for me that yeah. was it for me but what about you what was what was it that feminism has given you access to I feel like I'm gonna say the exact same thing you've just said <laughs> but in a very weird way so <laughs> what <laughs> what feminism has given me the answers to number one I have three of them so number one it's answered for me why my father got to be the one who came shop who came to the supermarket shopping with us on payday so he got Mm. to be the one who bought the sweets and the chocolates and let us have everything we wanted and my mother you know had the job of actually like putting food on the table throughout the month Mm. so feminism answered that for me second thing it answered for me was why no person um, in my very, very Chinese secondary school ever liked me. I, I mean, in, a, in like a, oh my God, you have a boyfriend kind of way. <laughs> and I'm, I've obviously burnt all evidence of what I looked like in secondary school. And I'm just going to say I looked this fabulous and goddess like all this while. But it answered <laughs> that question. Yeah, it answered that question for me. And the last thing it answered for me is... It answered that question of why there's always, you know, that weird aunt in every family. Like there can be like a weird unmarried, there can be an unmarried uncle Mm. who might be the bachelor who everybody cooks for. But whenever there's an unmarried aunt, she's a problem, right? She's a problem. Like weird, we don't know how to describe her. She's like, so feminism made me realize like, it gave me the answers to like, oh wait, fuck all this. I would like to be, or I am that weird unmarried aunt. (laughs) <laughs> I am going to spend my life giving no fucks and it's just going to be me and my uterus like being free. So yeah, exactly the same it. thing you said, but in a weird way. But I love um, this that you living your, a life with your uterus being free. I mean, but <laughs> people need to get out but of yeah. women's uteruses. But um, I think going on to the next point, because I, I think this is a really nice segue. Having that answered for you, what does living a feminist life mean to you today? I feel like, yeah, you're right. It's totally like, it's, it's, it's that journey, right? The answers and then the, the, where it's brought me. And it's really been sitting with like that discomfort, like unlearning a lot of things that I, I, I was, I had that grown up with and, you know, learning to be more of myself. And I think one thing that living a feminist life has also given me is a lot of anger and I don't mean anger in the stereotypical trope of the angry feminist but anger in the sense of recognizing things for what they are having the words to call them out having the and having the ability to be like 
no, wait, this is wrong and I know exactly why and, and this is how we fucking dismantle it, you know? So right. it's been this, this, this process of like unloving, unlearning and like unraveling the sticky web of the patriarchy. And I feel like that's been like incredibly liberating. Um, but I do think, I do think there's also, it's also come with, um, I think a social cost and a personal cost because there is cost mm. to being a feminist, right? But it does to me feel like the reward is freedom in a way. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's sort of where I am, where I am with it. What about you? What is, what does living a feminist life mean to you, Mazoni? I mean, it's not, yeah, I mean, I think it's not going to be that different from you though. I think for me, what it did, what it has done is allowed me to pursue freedom. I mean, you mm. know, like, like knowing that that there's a ticket to freedom, that it exists. I'm not saying it's easy, but that, yeah, it's there, you know? So for me, yeah. knowing that that has helped me every day think about, okay, what am I, uh, what am I willing to pay for this ticket to freedom, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's such, such an important thing uh, to keep on reminding myself every day when I'm going through things to be like, okay, there's a price to be paid, but the, the, the thing at the end is freedom, right? But, uh, you know, as you've rightly said, hey, it's hard as fuck, man. You know, like, it's, it's really hard to own up to my complicity in the patriarchy. You know, like, the more you, you start to understand or pursue more kind of feminist thinking or thought, you start to understand your, your part in, in this society in upholding some of these patriarchal yep. norms. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow for me that I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I have been part of the problem, you know, and how to. But unlearn. it's also because the of how pervasive the problem is, right? It's just right. it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there are days I'm just like, ah, oh, do I really need to put this mirror to my face? Like, can I just throw it under the the bed? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and also for me, I think what it does is that it helps me in disrupting shit. You know, so mm -hmm. disrupting my ways of thinking, but other people's ways of thinking. I think what it also has helped me is to keep, to keep on questioning. I mean, as a child already, I was already questioning. I was that nagging child. Why, why do these things have to happen? Or, you know, like I was that kid, you know, I was, you know, all the adults were like, shh, just, you know, you, you just do, you go play. That uh, has helped me to continue questioning, questioning myself, but questioning society, questioning my work, my ways of being. And also being curious, being curious about why things happen the way they do and, 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 and wanting to explore. Let me see where this takes me. Let me see where this goes. So I think for me, that's what feminism today symbolizes for me. It's this journey, uh, but also working in confidence, knowing that as much as this journey is hard, that mm. there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like you're, you're, yeah. just, you're just wading through the, the yuckiness, the mud, you know, you're just like, you know, you're like one of those like, superheroes where you have to do the nasty work but at the end there's light there's light so for me that's, <laughs> that's what it is i yeah. love i love this idea you 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 talked about about disrupting shit because i feel like that's what feminists that's why people are so irritated with feminists that's why like people uh, that's why we that's why we are like the feminist killjoys and mm -hmm. the Know, the angry women and the witches and all those kind of things right because it's yeah. disrupting that comfort right and, Correct. and when you, when you kind of step back and think about it like what feminists are saying is like there's this whole system at work that is oppressing women and also like creating horrible 
like uh, practices and norms for anybody who is gender non-conforming or doesn't fall into the right boxes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I just, I, I, and I just, and my my segue was just that I love this idea of this feminist disruption and yeah. anyway. Yeah, I think the thing that you said about being a, a killjoy, right? Like, <laughs> I don't love to do it, but you know, I'm always the one who's like, um, but excuse me, you know, and and that irritates. Yes. Like you said, it, yes, it's so irritates. It, it so irritates people because they're like, why? Just like when I was a kid, people were like, why can't you just accept that things are like this? It's just so much easier for everybody, and life goes on, and you know, we do the things we need to do, and we don't have to rethink this whole situation you have to accept that you're a, you're a killjoy and that yeah and joy own it means, like yeah <laughs> and that killing this joy killing this joy right now will bring me joy later you know what i mean right like momentarily like i'm i'm shutting this shit down now but trust yeah. me uh because i'm shutting it down that means tomorrow is going to be more joyful and i think that's something that we we get stuck in we don't want to be the ones disrupting this is a very random thought but we're like you know the truman show we're like there's a fucking dome y'all there's a fucking dome it's not the sky <laughs> that's yeah, what it's like Shh, stop it <laughs> <laughs> I know but yeah I completely agree with you and it's hard I, I, I yeah I, I do think it's hard and I think part of the thing that helps us stay energized and refills us and rejuvenates us is also like other feminists right other mm. people who are pointing out and going it's a fucking dome y'all right um, if, if you've not watched the Truman Show I have just ruined it for you and I'm very sorry <laughs> but it's fine um <laughs> But yeah, which brings me to a, a, a question that I, I really wanted to ask, which is, what are your like favorite feminists of the moment, or what are you, what, what are your, who are your favorite feminists? And go crazy with it, like they, you know, they could be like Buffy if you oh. like. Oh my god, no, Buffy no, is Buffy. quite feminist, just that way. Yeah, uh, not my cup of tea, but I, I hear you. I think for oh me. Oh my I- god! Wait, <laughs> this is another episode altogether because I spent like half my life wanting to be Buffy, but I will allow you to go on. Yeah, we'll have that conversation on the side, homie. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> um, I think for me, right now in my life, like, my favorite feminist is actually my friends, and, I, and I'm, I'm very lucky to say that, because I think it's nice when you have friends who are feminists. So my friend, I saw lightning, she is the bomb diggity. But why this is so important is that, you know, I'm in a place in my career where I need to talk to people who've gone through some things, who, who, are, who are trying to live it. Like, it's not just spoken words. Yeah. Rather, people who are really trying to exemplify. And you, I can't think just go, she, you can't just go, she's the bomb and not tell us who Naisola is. Come on. Oh, tell us who Naisola God. is. Yeah, she's In 20 words or less. Yeah, she, she's going to be like, why did you mention my name? Yeah, I mentioned you, Naisola. Yeah. <laughs> so Naisola is this, I mean, kick-ass Kenyan feminist uh, who happens oh, yeah. to be a friend. And she runs the She Decides uh, campaign, which is a sexual reproductive health campaign, bringing feminists together. I mean, she's just, she's just fire. She's just one of those people who are very honest. And I think okay. to me, what, what is really interesting, because I said before that part of being a feminist is putting that mirror to your face. And I think that's yep. what she does for me. She inspires me to reach those new heights and be really totally honest with myself and be like, but are you actually... Are you being honest with yourself? Are you actually doing the thing you want? Yeah, to do? like and being intentional, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And and her life yeah. trajectory, you know, she makes these decisions in her life that are so affirm her feminist principles. And Mold is like, ah, I'm fearless. You know, I'm just like, yes, 
I will do that. I will quit this job because <laughs> it does not serve me. I'm like, correct. Nice. Although capitalism is like, you're going to be broken, poor forever. Okay. So, we like it? So, like my fella? Yeah. And I think like fictionally, like, so I'll just tell you real quick. So I grew up yes. listening to hip hop, you know, back in the day when there was actually female MCs, like Already? Today, they're not that much. And I grew up and I just was completely just blown away by like Queen Latifah and Salt and Pepper. Like for mm. me, these to me were like, I mean, they were like goddesses to me, like Queen Latifah just owned it. And, you know, I love the song that I always think about is Who You Calling a Bitch. And so for ah, me, okay. I'm going to stay right now. That's the vibe I'm feeling because I'm in this like 90s, <laughs> 80s hip hop vibe. So nice. she's my number one, you know, like feminist icon from the from the 90s. Shout out to Queen Latifah. When are you coming Ooh. on? After- <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, I'm going to stop there. So for you, what are your, you already mentioned Buffy. So I'm just going to be like, <laughs> I mean, uh, Buffy's lower down on the list, but I will just um, pause at this interlude to say that Muthoni and I, when we first became friends, she would talk a lot about hip hop and wine. I know nothing about hip hop and I know nothing about wine. And I would just pretend and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm hiding these dirty secrets that what did I grow up on? I grew up on the Backstreet Boys and Boyzone and Britney tell them. <laughs> But yeah, I just FYI. You, Michelle. I it's fine. You it's cool. Hey, Britney's, your... a, Britney's a feminist icon as well, okay? So uh-huh. my favorite yeah. feminists of the moment, my top, I've got three. So my first one is like Cardi B and Megan because whap, 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 I love that. I love how much outrage people get from that song. The right? second one, it's, this, this is a bit weird, but it's a character in a book and her name is Nadia and it's a book called Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. If you haven't read it, go fucking read it. Every time I, I just find myself always thinking about Nadia. Like it's set in this non, not named uh, country that's going through um, that our imperial overlords have decided to bomb and, and destroy. And Nadia is this badass woman who's like riding motorcycles and living alone in this like very conservative Muslim culture. And she's amazing. Like I want to be Nadia, so I love oh. Nadia. And the last one, like right now for me, coming from Southeast Asia. It's 100% the young women who are out in the streets protesting in Myanmar because like, fucking hell, man. People are being so brave and so creative and so like, intersectional in their their protests, you know, like, there was a princess protest a while ago where these young women came out in like, costumes and wedding dresses with signs like, my ex is bad, but the Myanmar military is worse. Hell yeah. And then, and, and. (laughs) And they're using like the patriarchy and all these norms, they're subverting them because one of the ways in which they protest was they were hanging women's undergarments and sarongs on streets because for men and therefore for the military, it's dirty and we can't walk under them. And I'm like, Ooh, fuck yes, this is how yeah. you support So oh yeah. Oh my God. I mean, just, I, I know I answered my, I, my question, but now that you've shared this story about the women in Myanmar, Women's protest is always so interesting, especially mm-hmm. because it reminds me of in Kenya when old women, because Africa and a lot of African countries, a woman, an old woman stripping is, is a sign of, you know, it's like a jinx. It's a bad old Yes. And so women, you know, old women came in, you know, like one time in Kenya, old women came and stripped in front of the, you know, the, the, the police. And it was so in, 
interesting that the police couldn't they couldn't do anything they couldn't like it was like they just it's they like don't know what to do right yeah you know and and it's the same thing i was in zambia i used to work with 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 zambia movements and they used to tell me that during the colonial times when the women got tired of the colonial governor they just he was coming back from the airport or whatever and they just went on the street and they just stripped and all the guards were just like oh Whoa, whoa, oh whoa, my whoa. god, can you imagine this colonizer was like what the fuck is happening here? I mean I love right? it. I love women protesting. These oh. old British dudes in their khaki pants seeing yeah. like African women bare their breasts. Oh yeah, my. and they're just like here. Yeah. Oh my god, I love you know like and, I think Yeah. Women protest is so fantastic. Like I, I and I, Stella I really Nianti did it recently, right? Not recently, yes. but when she was arrested, and I was like, in court, yes, in court, she did it. She in just court. she's like, eat my tits instead of <laughs> suck my balls, right? I love it. I love it. Oh my god, I love oh. it. Ah, oh, yes. I I feel like this is a good place to end our evening with Wynet. These badass women. Yes. Yeah, bearing their poop, bearing their breasts and being like fuck you world here i am and i, I am it. not going to make you comfortable Mm-mm. so yeah Mm-mm. i like it yeah so that was us in the wind down hope you've enjoyed this um, episode we are going to refill our glasses or in the case of michelle beer bottle and we'll <laughs> see you next time see ya